Father, first we'd like to come before you and we want to give you thanks for this time of year where the entire world is cognizant, they are aware that this is a time we celebrate your birthday. And we know, Lord, that there is a movement to take that away, to just make it a winter solstice. We ask that you would help us to communicate clearly what we believe about December 25th, even though we understand, Father, that Jesus was not born on December 25th. We still recognize it at that time. So, Father, help us to be strong in the face of adversity and those who would tend to persecute. And I know that there's not much here in this country, but around the world. And, Father, also, we pray that you would teach us, help us to grow up in the most holy faith, bring us to full maturity. For, Father, we wish to do your will. And our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. So assist us this morning, Lord, and fill us full of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, this week or the next week will probably be the last time that I'm going to give you the timeline. This will be number 11. So it starts out with Jesus prophesying that the temple would be destroyed. Not one stone left upon another. The disciples asked him, When will these things happen? What will be the sign of the end of the age? And what will be the sign of your return? And so Jesus answers all that. And then in 70 AD, the fulfillment of the temple being torn down is done by Titus in 70 AD. And I showed you the arch of Titus in Rome last week on the screens, commemorating that time where the Roman armies were victorious over taking siege or sieging um, Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. After that, the next thing that is supposed to take place is the rapture slash Gog-Magog invasion. After that, the next major event is going to be the peace treaty that the Antichrist will sign with the nation of Israel, allowing them to rebuild their temple. After that, the next major event is the abomination which makes desolate in the center of a seven-year period after three and a half years where the Antichrist will have his image placed up in the temple, declare himself to be God, and we are to worship him. And if anybody does not take the mark of the beast at that point, they will be beheaded. Romans chapter 20 verse 4 talks about that. At the end of the tribulation period will be the battle of Armageddon. Jesus will come back. He will set his foot on the Mount of Olives. And by the way, if you don't know this, some people believe he will go to Petra first kind of go to Petra and then go to the Mount of Olives. If you know who Arnold Fruchtenbaum is, that is in his writings. He's a Jewish scholar, has some Jewish background, but you can look on that or look into that on your own. Then at the end, when Jesus shows up, he will land on the Mount of Olives directly east of of the city of David or the old city of Jerusalem, and the land will split in two, part of it going to the north, part of it going to the south, And he will walk through the gate beautiful and he will set up his kingdom at that particular point. Then there will be a thousand year reign of Christ. After the thousand year reign of Christ, Satan will be released for a short period of time to to deceive the nations again. And they will all come against Jesus Christ in Jerusalem and God will destroy them. Then the great white throne judgment takes place. Those who are worthy of entering into the kingdom 
will be given uh, new bodies and they will enter the kingdom. And those who are destined for hell, all the rest of humanity that does not believe in God, they will go to hell at that point, Gehenna, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then God wipes away every tear from our eyes, creates a new heaven and new earth, and we go on from there. So that is the timeline. Now, when Jesus is addressing his disciples in Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 8, he tells us when this is going to take place and that there will be wars and famines and earthquakes in various places and calls them the beginning of birth pangs. Then he digresses. He goes back, and we look that up in Luke chapter 21, verse 12. He says, but before all this, and then he refers to the fall of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. And then he goes back to the time of the end in verses 10 through 14. And he says, the gospel will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. And so the attacks on the truth will take place. There will be false prophets around. Even false religions will arise. Many will turn away from the faith and they'll betray each other. And the thing that really caught my eye on this this time, Mark talks about brother will betray brother. There will be hatred and the love of most will grow cold. Because in the faith community, so to speak, that exists at that time, because there are 144,000 male Jewish evangelists, and so people are going to get saved during that period of time. But inside of there, there will be those who are really not saved, and they will betray each other inside the faith community. Now, what do you think is going... What would happen to any church... In this church, if we started betraying each other, if we turned somebody into the IRS or to the police and and then they took them away, there would be hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, anger, factions, dissensions. All those things would be going on inside of that church because after all, they're still flesh. And we have this sense of righteousness that I have been wronged. And Matthew chapter 5, if you know somebody has something against you, you go to them. And Matthew chapter 18, if somebody has sinned against you, all that's off the table. And there will be this, this move towards selfishness. And there will be attacks on the truth, just like there are today. In the past couple of months, I've met people that just believe some weird things in the scriptures. And I try to turn them back and show them the scriptures. And they say, oh, no, that's not the case. And, and you can see how it's just going to bubble up during that period of time. And so people will start to fend for themselves. And attacks will be on the truth. The false prophets will come in and say, well, that's not what scripture really means. This is what it really means. And when that takes place, the attacks on the truth, what will happen is the culture is going to be attacked because in the United States, our culture is based on biblical principles. And that's already being eroded away. But imagine if the Christian influence is taken out, then what will happen is violence will increase all the more as well as sensuality because that's what the human nature desires. The sensuality and the violence and the selfishness All of that is going to come to fruition. So people will only be concerned for themselves and not trusting anyone. And those who are in the faith community who are genuine, it says in Scripture that most of them or many of them will be killed for their faith because the Antichrist is going to be given power 
over the saints and he will deliver them up to death. And so once the gospel has been preached worldwide, the end comes and that's why we still today, we go to the ends of the earth and we make sure the gospel is going out. We want to help fulfill this. Now in the middle of the tribulation of verse 15, that's where the abomination of desolation takes place, spoken of by the prophet Daniel. And you can go back and look at that, Daniel chapter 9, verses 25 through 27. And then those who are in Judea, those Jews who were there, when they see that, they will flee to the mountains, which we believe to be Petra. And we're to pray that the flight does not take place in winter, on the Sabbath, and hopefully the women are not pregnant during that time, because it's very difficult for anyone to flee under those circumstances. Now, going on in verse 21, there will be false Christs and false miracles performed. For then there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never be equaled again. In those days, if those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. You know, we're so concerned about pollution and climate change that we're going to destroy the earth. And did you hear what... uh, that Greta Thun, whatever she is from Sweden, what she said? She said, all politicians should be put up against a wall. You know what that means? So that they'd be shot. That's what she's talking about. And that is the movement of the world. You know, the, the globalists that are out there, they, they are so worried about the world that it's just going to die. And I, I, I want to tell you, that's just a ruse to get your money. That's just a ruse for power. Climate changes all the time. We had an ice age where there's probably ice all the way down to San Diego from the North Pole. And it's been a lot hotter than it has been now. And it's just a ruse. They're trying to get the power and the money and to control. And by the way, that's what the Antichrist wants to do. He wants to control everything. And we're setting it up and we're just buying into it. We're giving everybody a cell phone so everybody is connected. You can go to Africa in the back reaches where nobody is there and people have cell phones. They all have cell phones. It's pretty amazing. And on top of that, did you see the uh, article which was out there about 5G? They're going to track you even more ably now when 5G gets out there. Most people have 4G, and sometimes it goes down to 3G. They want to know everything about you, where you are, keeping all the information so they can pull it up on any individual at any time, use it for nefarious purposes, blackmail them, you name it, they'll be able to use it on every individual. Unless you're off the grid, you don't have a phone, you take commuter bus, you know, whatever the case might be, and you cover your face because facial recognition technology is out there everywhere. So we are just, as a world, going to that one world system and trying to obliterate the borders which are out there. And I just want to encourage you. You're not going to kill the planet. When this happens, it almost kills the planet. But everything else... The planet's not going to meet its demise. Jesus told us when it's going to happen, and it's at the very end of a thousand years, and he destroys everything. So if you want to go shoot a deer, go ahead. Get some venison. Send me some jerky. You know, things will be just fine if you want to do that. 
Uh, I'm also in the building industry, and you know they're they're putting so many restrictions on what you can do and what you can't do. I was told this last week that plumbers now, when they work on job sites, new job sites, that they have to line all the trenches with plastic because when the plumber cuts the pipe, there's microplastic that falls down into the trench and it's going to be in the earth and we're going to destroy the earth. And I mean, just, yeah, I, I hear stuff like that pretty soon. You're not going to be able to breathe pretty soon because that's carbon dioxide. So you're going to only be allotted so many breaths. But, it, you know, if you want to... Take out a motorized vehicle on the water or in the desert. You just go right ahead. Don't worry that you're going to destroy the earth because you're not. Let's go on. Sorry for that little parenthetical thought there. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ or there he is, do not believe it for false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect If that were possible, see, I have told you ahead of time. And we're not talking Benny Hen stuff. You know, if you're familiar with him, he claims to do miracles. The leg stretchers which are out there. I've told you about those before. How how about the splinters of the cross? They found the original cross that Jesus was crucified on. And they will send you a splinter of that cross for the right donation. And miraculously, because people were worried about the splinters being used up on the cross, miraculously, the cross kept on growing. And so they they send out more splinters of the cross or the individual who sends out the wallet saying, just put a hundred or a thousand dollars in that wallet and send it back into the ministry and your money will be multiplied in your house. Chuck Smith told us about that one and, and Chuck Smith said, well, why doesn't he use his own wallet? You know, put his own money in his own wallet and then his money will be multiplied. So if they're after money, if they're after power, if they're after informational control, if they're after behavioral control, all of that stuff, we know that that's the system of the Antichrist. False prophets and false teachers are into that. And we're to not only ignore it, but we're to stand up against it and say this is false. And these are false teachers. And whenever we see it, we need to be faithful to follow through with declaring so. Verse 25. See, I have told you ahead of time. So God wanted us to know that this is going to take place. He wanted those people who were going to go into the tribulation also to know. Because all the people that we have witnessed to, whether it's our children or our children's children or it's our generation, we don't know which one it's going to be. But they will have been told if we tell them what's going to happen in the end times. What do you think the first thing they're going to do is? Mom, dad, you there? Where? Hello? Uh, call me back. You know, that type of thing. And people are going to be gone. Millions of people will be gone. The first thing they're going to do after they try to get in touch with you is get a Bible. I know he was talking about some of this stuff. In here. I don't know where it was, but I'm going to find it. And people are going to come around that weren't saved. And they're going to get this information. And so it's written for them right here. If you don't tell your siblings or your children or your grandchildren anything, anything, tell them Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark chapter 13. Read that stuff in case I ever disappear. The rapture of the church, you know, that type of thing. We want to make sure they have this information. So verse 26. So if anyone tells you, 
There he is out in the desert. Do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. Because those people who are going to be around, they're, you know, they don't know. It's like, you know, Moses built an ark so long ago when the flood came. You guys didn't, yeah, somebody caught it, right? It was Noah who built the ark. People are going to be misinformed. Well, didn't someone say that Jesus is going to be out there in the wilderness? Was that John the Baptist or was that Jesus? I'm not sure which. Maybe we should go to the wilderness. And somebody said that the Messiah is in the wilderness, so let's go. He goes, no, don't go. They won't understand, and they're going to need pastors and teachers at that time too. So those who got the gospel, who weren't genuine, they'll probably become pastors at that point because they've been sitting in church for so long. And then those people have a chance to get saved, but unfortunately, they'll probably meet their demise. Most people will during the tribulation period. So he told us, do not believe it. Verse 27, for as that lightning, or excuse me, for as lightning that comes from the east is visible, even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So when Jesus comes back, and it's been described a couple of ways, and I'll get some verses here in a second. When Jesus comes back, have you ever been in a good lightning storm? I mean, when the lightning is right overhead and that cracks and the light, everything just gets lit up. Well, when Jesus comes back, he's coming back with a multitude. He's coming back with us and he's coming back with angels. That's how he's coming back. Big production. This isn't small time Main Street type thing. This is huge. And the whole world will see him come back. So Jesus lets us know to tell others ahead of time, don't believe it if somebody says there is a Messiah out there and they're doing miracles because they will do miracles. People will probably be raised from the dead. Limbs will probably be restored. Demons will be cast out. All of that stuff that took place in the New Testament will also take place at the end when the tribulation is here. And it's, it's very easy to believe when somebody does a trick that, wow, they're fantastic. Have you ever watched these people who do the street magic and they're just floored? Or there was one guy, he could pull a whole bottle through a glass table. You know, I, how did he? I have no idea how he did that, but he just puts his hand over the table and he, there's a uh, bottle underneath and he just pulls it through the top of the glass and you... How did you do that? You look at that and go, I want to see more. Well, if it's a bona fide false miracle, people are going to rush to that. They're going to want to see more. They're going to want to be helped. They're going to want some answers. So Jesus told us, do not believe it. So if anyone tells you there he is out in the desert, go, here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible, even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. This is just a statement that says, you know, when this stuff happens, it's going to happen. That's kind of the vernacular of the day. When there's judgment to come, death is going to be there. This is verily, verily, I say unto you time. That God is just letting us know this is destined to take place and there's no way to change it. It has been set in stone. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. I'd like you to turn to the Old Testament 
into the book of Job, little tiny book. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. So, Hosea, Joel. And if you have a problem remembering that, act like you're a, um, a rapper. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. You, you see what I'm talking about? It's a little mnemonic that will help you remember how these things go. Joel, chapter 2, verse 10. We're going to read through verse 11. It says, Before them, the earth shakes, the sky trembles, the sun and moon are darkened, and the stars no longer shine. The Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number, and mighty are those who obey his command. The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? So not only do you have the light that is just going to shine everywhere. Remember, there's darkness across the face of the earth. The sun is darkened and the moon doesn't shine at all. And all of a sudden you see this huge light show up. The biggest light you've ever seen. It's going to be brighter than the sun and it is going to circle the earth. Have you seen some of the Christmas lights out there? Some of the Christmas lights have this warm light. They're almost yellow. And then you see some lights that are like bright, LED, white light. It's going to be so white, people are going to cover their faces just like, I can't look at this. It's so bright. Even when they cover their face, they'll probably see the light through their face, and it's going to be loud. Now, when a lightning bolt hits, and I know this is a metaphor here, but when a lightning bolt hits, what happens is the oxygen in that bolt vaporizes. It, it's, it's pushed aside, so to speak. And what happens is the atmosphere crashes back in where that lightning bolt was, and that's what creates the thunder. Now, I was told this in earth science years ago, and if I'm wrong, well, I'm wrong. But it sounds interesting, doesn't it? Anyhow, the sound, it comes, it's because of that air, the pressure in the air that we live under cracks back in. And so the bigger the bolt, the bigger the sound, the closer it is to you, that type of thing. Well, when Jesus comes back, Imagine you hear it in the distance. Have you ever heard earthquakes in the distance coming your way, laying there at night, and you hear it, here it comes, here it comes, and all of a sudden, crack, and the whole building shakes that you're in? Well, this is going to be atmospheric. Everybody's going to hear it. They're going to be fear-filled at that point. It even says at the end of Joel, who can endure it? It is dreadful. It is great. Now, these are superlative terms. These are almost hyperbolic. It's meant to communicate that it is going to be bad. It is going to be really bad for these people. Hopefully, we get more um, people following Christ that wouldn't have to endure this. Isaiah also, turn over to Isaiah chapter 34 and verse 4. This also talks about the time of the end, this same time. Isaiah 34, verse 4. It says, All the stars of the heavens will be dissolved. They will roll up like a scroll. All the starry host will fall like withered leaves from the vine, like shriveled figs 
from the tree. And so this is a description of what's going to take place when Jesus comes back. And in verse 30, we pick it up here. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. We already know what it's going to be like. And all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Now this is referring to what we've already been over in Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. Remember the wheat and the weeds, or the wheat and the darnel? When the angels come back, there's going to be a loud trumpet blast. The whole earth will hear it. The angels are going to go and get those who are wicked, gather them, and in the parable of the weeds... They're gathered first, and they're thrown into the fire, which means they're going to be thrown into Hades. Now, just as a side note, and I've explained this before, but one more time, where people go that are wicked now, that do not believe in God, they go to Hades. It is also called the grave. It is a place of waiting. They're waiting there until the great white throne judgment, and there is torment, there is discomfort, there is uh, regret that takes place in that place. And like I said, everyone who does not believe in God is there right now, and they are suffering. And the the angels at that time will gather all of those people and put them into Hades. Then they will be resurrected at the great white throne judgment, and they will go into what we know as hell. No one is in hell yet. The devil and his angels will be thrown there, and that's who it was constructed for. But everybody who does not believe in God at the great white throne judgment will also be thrown there, and it is called Gehenna. And it takes its name after the Valley of Gihon, which is just east and south of Jerusalem, and that's where the trash is burned. That's where uh, dead animals are taken and the fires burn. And I've explained that to you before, but when people say, Uh, There are individuals going to hell. The place right now is Hades, but in the future, it's going to be Gehenna. And that's the bottomless pit that we know from Scripture. So uh, it goes on in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, the enemy came down and sowed seed. Oh, wait, this is... I'm sorry, this is Matthew 13. I'm going to read to you the parable. But while everyone was sleeping, the enemy came in and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away when the wheat sprouted and formed heads and the weed also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds come from? And the enemy did this. He replied, the servant asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you were pulling up the weeds, you may... Root up the wheat with them, let them grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. And so that is the description of the parable of the wheat and the weeds. So the unbelievers who are disobedient and the wicked will be thrown in Hades where they'll wait for a thousand years and then the great white throne judgment comes. Now in verse 32, it says, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. 
Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. I tell you the truth is generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Now, when I first became a believer, a disciple of Jesus Christ, I remember reading this. And everybody at that time was saying, well, this generation will not pass away. And it was taken to mean that the generation, first it was taken to mean the generation that sees the birth of the nation of Israel again, May 14th, 1948, will not pass away until all these things are fulfilled. And we're going, what? Hey, you're kidding me. And then it got to 40 years, which some people say is a generation, 40 years. And then other people said, no, a generation is 80 years. So we're still waiting. And then it's Jesus is going to come back in 1988, 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988. And all these dates are coming up. And this idea that this generation is going to see the return of Christ. And I'm going around telling everybody, you know what I just found out? Our generation is going to be the one to see the return of Christ. Uh, maybe not. That's not what this means. And I went to somebody that was in uh, my high school. I, I knew them after high school a little bit. I knew that they were a believer. And I saw them, and I forget why I was at their house. It was a, a young lady, and I, I said, Have you read this? Do you know that Jesus is coming back, this generation that sees this? And she goes, Oh, generation. Yeah, that word also means race. Wait, hold on. And I found out what it, it's probably not the generation you think of. That's not what Jesus is talking about. And in context, what it's talking about is the generation that sees the wars, rumor of wars, the famines, the pestilence, the, the people dying. The generations that see that will see the return of Christ. That's what it's referring to. So it's not the generation from May 14th, 1948, whether 40 or 80 years, or Jesus coming back in 1988. None of that is true. We just need to understand that the generation that enters the tribulation will see that. The generation that it is alive and remains here at the rapture of the church, they are the ones that will see this, the ones that survive. And so, again, this is why we want to communicate this. Now, he also talks about this fig tree budding. Summer is near. It's this idea, usually, uh, well, right now, the trees are all losing their leaves in our community here. You have the mulberry trees, like the ones across the street over here. They're losing their leaves. You have the liquid ambers. There's a festival of liquid amber. It has five colors on the leaves. It's just beautiful. And then when spring comes, the end of February, March, April showers, bring May flowers, that type of thing. The trees, if it's warm enough, will start pushing out their buds. If you know that, and you're in spring, like April, how far away is summer? It's right around the corner. So how long ago did we celebrate Christmas? Oh, it was just yesterday. I mean, and now it's here already again. Well, Jesus is saying... When you see these things, just like the budding of the fig tree, it's right at the door. It's right at the corner. So a couple of times he lets them know, this is imminent. 
This is coming for this generation that sees these things and they need to be aware. And those people who exist during the time of the tribulation, they're going to see this and they're going, we got to hold out some way. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? But chances are they're not going to make it. And we want to spare people that as much as possible. So false teachers, false prophets, wars, famines, earthquakes, great distress, Israel being attacked, the abomination of desolation, anti-Semitism there, that generation that sees all of those things will see the return of Christ. Verse 36, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. And so the day, for instance, the Gog-Magog invasion. This is why we look at world events. We don't turn a blind eye to them. I'm very interested in the politics of the world because as goes the politics, it's setting it up for what happens biblically. I, I want to uh, go a little bit ahead here. I'll go back, but just a little bit ahead. How will it look, or how will that look before the tribulation, you know, when... When the working, like in the days of Noah. You know, I should read this first, the days of Noah. Verse 37. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the hand mill, and one will be taken, and the other left. And some people say, well, it's the rapture of the church. Some people say it's the judgment at the end. I'm, I'm not even going to go there with that. But what is it going to look like? I mean, if we put it in our day, what takes place? There's nobody in the field working, except some migrant workers, that type of thing. But for us, we're not an agrarian society. What is it going to look like for us? And he says, as in the days of Noah. So you have to go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8. The days of Noah are all in there. The flood is all in there. And so you look at that. Well, they're working. They're buying. They're selling. They're marrying. They're eating. They're drinking. And violence was in the land. How is that different from today? It's all the same. And the violence is increasing. We see that taking place, and then boom, it just comes. And nobody's aware of it. So everything that we're doing, you know, we're planning retirement, we're, well, this is what I'm going to do in the next five years, in the next ten years, and kids and grandkids get married, and children and grandchildren come, and it's all going on just as it was, and there's a job, a new job to go to, an old job to remain at. We're just continuing. I drive, I don't drive, I take vacation. We just continue. And all of a sudden, boom! There's the rapture, there's the God, make God invasion. And so as I digress, I was talking about this idea of watching the politics which are out there. Because the politics is a barometer of what is going to take place in the future. <clears throat> For instance, Russia. Is Russia our friend? They're not our friend. Is China our friend? No. Is North Korea our friend? No. Is the Middle East, for the most part, our friend? No. So most of the world hates us, and they hate Israel. And we already know the Gog-Magog invasion. You had the map up there of what countries are going to be involved. If Russia starts making a move towards Israel, 
with Iran, we're going, that's God Magog invasion. Ezekiel chapter 38, this is what God was talking about. Just boom, we continue as everything has been just going along and all of a sudden, here comes this invasion. Do you think Russia and Iran will telescope that they're going to go into Israel? They're not. Hey, I just want to let you know we're coming down. They're not going to do that. They're going to plan this in a subversive way where nobody gets to see it. And then they're just going to come and attack. And one day, people are going to wake up and go, Did you see this? Russia is going down. Has this happened before with Russia? Can you say Georgia? Crimea? Russia just came down. I need to explain a little bit to you to see how this works. During the past president's administration, Ukraine, all kinds of corruption with that. But anyhow, Ukraine is there. Our past administration told Ukraine, if you disarm, we'll protect you against Russia. They disarmed. Russia moved in, took Crimea, and we did nothing. We said, you you better knock it off. They didn't knock it off. So there is a precedent where Russia will just come in, and what did they want there? They wanted the fuel reserves that were down there. Apparently there's either oil or natural gas there, and they just came in and they took it. They, They didn't ask anybody, and we did nothing on that. So for us, that's a sign of those who believe like the last administration, if they get in in the future, if they calm down Russia down into Israel, what will we do if it's that same kind of administration? By the way, was the last administration friendly towards Israel? No. Matter of fact, there was money spent to try to get Netanyahu out. And I'm talking about the politics because it surrounds the Bible and what's taken place in the Bible, it's like arrows pointing, you know. So whenever you see something with Russia and Iran, it's pointing arrows. Now, with this current administration, do you think that's going to happen? Ain't no way it's going to happen. They're, they're thinking about naming a city after Trump over there because of what he's doing, right? And, and so he is the staunch supporter of Israel and Netanyahu, and we would be there at a moment's notice. And so the administration that's in there now will not let this happen. Now, if you want to speed up things, I would say vote out Trump. Vote in Hillary, you know, for that matter. And if you voted her in, well, it just kind of speed things up. I am so convinced it was divine intervention because it would have just sped this thing right along. The world, the globalist system would have come in. And now you got Boris over in England. And they just swept it over there. And they, weren't, they wanted to say, oh, it's really close. We don't know. We can't call it. But now it's a landslide. And will it be a landslide with our current administration again in the election? We don't know. But I can tell you this. If it goes the other way, it will speed up the world scenario of Russia coming down. And that's just, I'm not a prophet. I just look at these things and go, this is what it is. And and so we want to be able to tell others this. If the second thing you don't tell your children and grandchildren and friends and neighbors, watch Russia and Iran coming down. And that's why we want to vote. We want to do our part to make sure 
that we maintain righteousness. God wants us to be those good citizens. And so you can decide whether or not the election will stay as it is or it goes in the other direction. Verse 42. This is where we encourage. Therefore, keep watch. Watch on what? He's telling us to keep watch on the world and everything that's going on. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. And that's how it will happen. It will be overnight. Like I just said, you'll wake up and you'll see Russia and Iran are coming down through Syria. There's some information I have here. In Syria, they just signed a 49-year treaty with Russia to use its seaports for their Russian nuclear fleet to come in. Uh, Two Syrian air bases have Russian S-400 surface-to-air missiles at two Syrian air bases. Russia has about 5,000 troops in Syria. Russia and Iran are allies. Israel is targeting Iranian assets in Syria, and Russia has not responded yet. Now, this is current stuff that's going on. So how long will Russia allow Israel to attack Iranian sites inside of Syria with their 5,000 troops there before they say, enough, we're going in? Could be tomorrow. Could be 10 years. We don't know. So verse 43, and this is under the idea of be expectant and, in verse 45, be diligent. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So also you must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour you do not expect him. So the whole scenario, the end times, the seven-year tribulation, also the return of uh, Jesus Christ, we know when he's going to come back, but we don't know when the rapture is going to happen, and that begins the time clock right there. So we are supposed to be ready, and be ready means be expectant that he is going to come back, the imminent return of Jesus Christ. He is right at the door. Going on in verse 45, it encourages us not only to be expectant, but to be diligent. Who then is faithful and wise servant, whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose that the servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on the day when he does not expect him. And in an hour he is not aware of, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So he's telling us, be ready, be expectant, and be diligent to be about the master's business. We are the servants that are talked about here. We're to make sure we're given the gospel. We're to make sure we're telling people about the future, where the destiny of all humankind lies. And there's going to be a reward and a punishment. And we'll pick it up from there next time. We're going to go into the three virgins, the talents, and the sheep and the goats. And it is a warning and an encouragement and an admonishment all wrapped up in a ball for all of us and all who will be around during that time. May the Lord provide for you Not only wisdom, but motivation. It is so easy for us to get sidetracked. There are so many things that grab our attention, that take us away. 
You know, when we were growing up, how many television stations did you have in San Diego? That was right. ABC, CBS, and NBC. That's what we watched. And you had Ed Sullivan that would be on there. And then you would see this round thing at night, at midnight, beep, is all it would be. If you wanted to watch something, it is endless. YouTube, bottomless pit. You can watch whatever you want to on YouTube forever. Then you have Disney streaming and Amazon streaming and Netflix streaming. And you have all these things that can grab hold of you and take you to the side and help you not to be diligent. Separate the time for the Lord. Make sure you are seeking after him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Let's pray. Father, we know that we are in the last days and we don't know the day or the hour when we will be raptured. We hope it is soon, but for the sake of those who need salvation, keep us here, Lord, and give us the wisdom to speak and the perseverance to endure. And Father, we ask for the guidance of your Holy Spirit in all of this, and whatever we do, we ask that you would help us to do it in love, that we would not be mean, that we would not be condemning. People are self-condemned, we understand, God, that don't know you. So help us, Lord. Be heralds, that they may hearken to the word. In Jesus' name. Amen.